You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 116 of the podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne joining you as always. Guys, uh, today is a big one for uh, a couple of reasons. It's family day and also we are officially one month away from the NHL trade deadline coming up on March 21st. And that is going to be uh, the focus of this episode after Fantasy Corner. But first of all, how are we doing, guys? Pretty good, Harp. You know, nice to get a little bit of R&R on this weekend. It's been a busy couple weeks, and and today on Family Day, I've really just done nothing but kind of take care of some things around the house and and, uh, relax. You know, I'm kind of separated from my family, so Family Day is more like a, a me day. So nice little thing going for me today. How about you, Chad? Yeah, I mean, same kind of thing. Rest and relaxation for me as well. Uh, I'm actually chilling all week. I mean, I say that because it's reading week for me, but I actually have a lot of things to kind of catch up on. So it's not really chilling, but it's like, you know, nothing pressing anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of hanging out for this week. And on family day, I spent a bit of time with Paige earlier today. And, and obviously, I'm not with my whole family. So that's uh, that's what I'm doing, and we'll be spending time later watching Euphoria because there's a new episode, and Harp's into that now. So, so yeah, things things are good. Uh, we didn't mention yet that we had a great time on our trip because we missed last week yeah. uh, for the holiday, and today is, I guess, another holiday, but you know, a bit of a different one. Might as well come back and and hang out with the guys because your family as well. So, great trip, great last couple weeks, and uh, yeah, just just in a good mood. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in a great mood. Not really much else to say. Had a great time uh, with you, Case, and, and you, Chad, and everybody up in Collingwood uh, there a couple of uh, of uh, weeks ago. And um, no, it was uh, it was awesome. And knowing that there is another short work week coming up is a great uh, is a great feeling. So that is good. Uh, yeah, we haven't done Fantasy Corner in a couple of weeks, so let's get into that. And uh, Case, we'll start with you. Kind of uh, an update on uh, last week's matchup for you. I guess it would have been over these last uh, couple of weeks. And um, yeah, just uh, give us a give us where you're at in, in fantasy right now. Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely shit pumped by Remy last week. <laughs> not, a, not a better way to put it. Um, it's definitely been a hard go for me the last couple of weeks in fantasy. I'm down to like tenth in the league, and. Uh, you know, I'm going to be brief, but a couple quick little stats for you guys. I am third in points for in the league and um, first in points against. So basically, just the unluckiest guy in the league down in uh, in tenth place. Correction here, Case. You are fourth in points for. Oh. I was actually going to bring that up, but uh, you're, you're having a tough go because you're putting up the points but not getting the wins and part of that was playing me a couple weeks ago and that's why we didn't record because you were scared of coming on the podcast and you know saying that you lost but what an absolute grudge match we knew it was going to be it finished 306 to 290 two of the biggest point totals for that week and i think two of the biggest for the entire season so far that is my every week i think every week i'm in like the biggest race in the league and then lose <laughs> it's like 
and it's always because like all my guys play on one day or like uh you know weird schedule stuff or people you know getting hangnails and can't play the game that night and it's yeah. just a bunch of nonsense <laughs> yeah this week i'm up against uh nate in the tampa bay three peats and I'll tell you what, there's been one game today for this new week, and uh, it was Colorado and Boston. So far, that's that's finished. Maybe another game has been being played right now. But Bergeron got me 12 points. Pasternak got me 14.25. I'm projected to beat Nate by a little bit. And I'm sitting in first place again, finally, because Luke uh, Sheridan and the Meatheads lost last week. So I'm not going to be giving up first place for the rest of the year. And uh, I can promise you guys that. Harp, how's your fantasy doing? Uh, well, not great, as uh, as you guys know, and uh, I think there there's 14 teams, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm 12th right now. Chad, I know you sent the current standings you in are. our, in our <laughs> thank you, in our uh, Fantasy League group chat. So, yeah, uh, not a good uh, showing against our good buddy Alan at Mansky ball to the wall uh, last week. And uh, I'm up against my brother this week, Hattrick Swayze. And uh, M has had a pretty good season in uh, the Boys in the Booth Fantasy League. So we'll be motivated to get my act together and at least make it close uh, or uh, hopefully beat him. Um, But I will mention, even though I lost to Alan last week, as far as individual performances go, I do want to shout out Tage Thompson getting his first career NHL hat trick. Uh, The Sabres lost the game against the Colorado Avalanche. No surprise there. It was a 5-3 loss, but Thompson did get uh, did get three goals in that one, and uh, he's having a career year. So as far as uh, you know, guys jumping off the page that had some good outings last week, uh, Tage Thompson is certainly one of them. How about Jeff Skinner, too, in that game where he had four goals? Yeah, I mean, great. We were listening to the game on our way back from Collingwood. Don't have him on my fantasy team. Wish I did. But um, yeah, no, uh, great, great stuff there. But uh, yeah, wanted to shout out Tage because I've got him and uh, looking to bounce back this week. Yeah, he'll appreciate that. Yeah, he's listening (laughs) right now. Alrighty, let's get into uh, some trade deadline talks. So as we mentioned off the top, we are exactly one month away from the NHL trade deadline, which is coming up on March 21st. And so we've each picked a player to watch for at the deadline and a player that has been in the rumor mill uh, to potentially be moved, what the asking price is, potential fits and all that kind of stuff. So we're each going to get into one player that we want to talk about uh, leading up to the NHL trade deadline. So uh, case, let's go back to you with, uh, with yours. I know you were torn between a couple of guys. Have you picked on one? And uh, if so, let's hear it. Yeah, first, I kind of want to talk about the trade deadline and the fact that I think we are in the worst era of trade deadline there's ever been, like not necessarily just this year, but the last three years. And that's due to a mix of things, one of them being social media and well, just media in general. There's so much more rumors and and tweets like all these these 
guys tweeting, oh, I think this is going to be a trade. I think this is going to be a trade. There's so much more than there used to be. Leading up to the trade deadline always used to be a little bit of uh, you know, speculation that you'd hear kind of in the intermissions, guys talking about things that could happen. And then the trade, trade deadline was so exciting to watch. Now it's like four months of nonsense rumors leading up to a trade deadline and then nothing happens because we're living in a flat cap with covid and uh taxi squads and really just nothing happened in the last couple trade deadlines so it's like i i personally think it's the worst era still like to talk about it i'm still gonna watch trade deadline day it's just like i can't wait to get out of this um this this era you know the only way that's going to happen is when the cap goes back to normal and teams start trading again because social media is not going anywhere um you know like our episode last year i, I just kind of flipped back I, w- I wanted to listen and see you know how did we do <laughs> nothing we said happened i think uh, our big guys were eric stahl ricard raquel and david savard well eric stahl is not in the league anymore he's in the olympics uh, Ricard Raquel's still on the trade talk list, oh. and David Savard just signed in free agency. <laughs> so it's like um, nothing really happened. I actually listened to my part about Rick- Ricard Raquel. I talked about how Anaheim was on the wrong side of a rebuild right now. Well, I was wrong about that. I talked about how Nick Ritchie looked like one of their best players. Well, he's an absolute potato now. It's like. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I, I don't have a lot of confidence going into this episode. I, I just got to let you know that. But we're going to take a crack at it and have fun anyways, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Case, exactly. Case, before you get into the, the guy you want to talk about or bring up or whatever, a lot of good points there. I totally agree that the trade deadline is such a dud every year, and it has been for the last like five years. And a, another thing that you didn't bring up that I think contributes towards that is Teams just make deals sooner now. And whether that's a consequence of of COVID and wanting to get guys, you know, into their respective cities and, and situated and, and quarantined because they used to have to do that. Um, maybe it's it's that. But also, I think teams are just like, listen, why wait until the very last day and then only get a guy for like, you know, 15 games in the lineup when you can just get them for for like double if you trade earlier. So I think a lot of teams are doing that. The flat cap definitely doesn't help. We need some sort of luxury tax or something. And 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 like speaking of the cap, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but speaking of the cap, the whole argument for the flat cap is that there's parity in the league. It creates parity in the league. Well, especially in the East this year, we have seen the biggest discrepancy between playoff teams and non-playoff teams. Like there's not even a race. You already know the eight teams who are in in the East, which is hilarious. So if you think a flat cap creates parity, it's just wrong. It doesn't work. Um, and also too, like it's just a luxury tax would fix that. And it hasn't even been considered. So anyway, it's just like odd to think about for me. Yeah. But. And the last thing, you know, along the same vein here is that there's like the same problem as the housing market right now. You know, something has caused the price to go up. I'm, I'm being broad because I want to draw a comparison. While in the NHL, the problem is everything is too expensive. Mm-hmm. A frigging defenseman on the bottom pair is going for a first rounder. It's like the the asking price for everything has gone up considerably. I'm going to blame that on the Tampa Bay Lightning because they pick up a guy at the trade deadline for some reason. And he's an absolute stud and win the Stanley Cup. It's like, how is Zach Bogosian such a key piece all of a sudden? Yeah. But, 
you know, so I, I'm going to blame it on that. But anyways, that, that was my little rip at the trade deadline. Hold on. Sorry. Case, la- last point. Sorry. I just want to jump in. Last thing I'll say. on And that. then I'll do a last point. OK. And then I'll come back for a last point and then Harp can do two more points and then you can. Okay, <laughs> what, cool. what I what I want to say was you can also blame that. The, the asking price going up and up for these players on the lack of parity because you know essentially from the start of the year which teams are going to be selling at the deadline so the, for the entire season it's been like where's jacob chikrin going it's like well now everyone knows you're trading him because arizona sucks and they we knew they were going to suck because they're terrible and it's like okay well now you've got two teams interested okay a month later you've got eight teams interested okay now you've got 10 teams interested and it's like it's just a bidding war because you know who's going and you can see it over months after all these rumors and stuff oh that guy would fit my system etc so that's another thing to add on to that that i'm I'm done go ahead i'm gonna get into my player now and you kind of set it up in a bad way because it's kind of a similar circumstance in that uh this team struggled we've talked about them a lot and we very well know they're going to be doing some trading and it's like what direction are they going i'm not talking claude Giroux. i think you think i am but i'm not i'm talking brock besser and the vancouver canucks um i think it's kind of a little more of an interesting player than uh some ufa that is going to be a rental and, and move on because i think that brock besser is going to go to more of a a up-and-coming team rather than a playoff contender for sure whereas claude Giroux is going to be you know maybe shipped to a to a contender and and there's going to be some salary eating and a bunch of nonsense there that i just don't have the time and brain power to figure out right now <laughs> so i'm gonna talk about brock besser because there's a lot of chit chat about him being traded coming up to the deadline a lot of it revolves around um the vancouver canucks wanting some cap flexibility and he is the opposite of cap uh, cap flexibility because he's an rfa his qualifying offer is going to be 7.5 million dollars and he has arbitration rights and since boudreaux has come over he is back to the brock besser of 29 goals days so he he's playing top right now man and you know a right-handed scoring winger is, is at a premium and that's going to demand like eight million dollars if, if he doesn't get it shipped so i think that there's a lot you know and he's coming off a bridge deal the guy's not looking for another bridge deal he's looking for a long-term deal here and uh coming into his prime he's ready to put in the puck or put the puck in the net so i'm interested to see what happens to brock besser you know there's some talks that vancouver has other guys they want to trade like jt miller but i think that it, it makes more sense to hold on to miller because he is their main uh like driver right now he is their team he is uh my daddy in fantasy and i think they got to hold on to him whereas besser um there's been talks about trading him forever and you know i've, I've heard the rumors about him possibly going to the devils because they've been in on him before and returns sound like well they're interested in pavel zaka that seems like a weird trade to me because it's like he's like brock besser light um so that's interesting they also want a right-handed defenseman so riley walsh makes sense he's putting up a lot of points in the ahl right now he's kind of like uh be the pp2 quarterback because quinn hughes and then a couple other names getting thrown out there a couple guys that are ready to crack a roster but don't really have a spot in new jersey and that's like a fabian zetterlund or um uh tice thompson and a couple other names there so 
I think there's a deal that could be made there because the Devils have cap space and they're going to have even more cap space when we ditch P.K. Subban next year. So uh, I think there's a lot of options there. And I think Besser's an enticing player to play alongside of a Jack Hughes or a Nico Heischer, a guy that you pass the puck to him, he might, well, he's probably going to score if he's open. So what do you guys think? I think Besser to New Jersey makes a ton of sense. But one of the very first things he said was, you know, how Besser has that qualifying offer. He's like the opposite of what you you want in cap flexibility. It's like if you're Vancouver, if you want cap flexibility, maybe don't sign us or, or trade for a seven million dollar defenseman who plays on your third pair half the time. Like all mm-hmm. Ekman Larson. I'm exaggerating, but God, like that to me is is just like hindering that their entire structure of their team. But that's a story for another day. Besser moving, I think, makes sense because you want to sell high on the guy. And you said he's been, you know, tearing it up since Boudreaux took over. But also, like, when I think about it, he seems like more of a core piece on that team than, say, a guy like JT Miller. Like, for me, when we heard those stories, you know, about a month ago, where it was Miller getting mad at some of the younger guys in the room, and and he didn't really seem like he... Not that he didn't fit in, but he expected more from other guys. And I just think that Miller, um, you know, he he brings more than Besser does. He can score, you know, and and put up points and stuff too. But he can also bring sort of like a a bit of grit and toughness that I think teams typically try to get at the deadline rather than, you know, a, a Brock Besser who is he's a through and through goal scorer. So I don't know. I could see either of those guys moving. It'd be interesting if they move Besser because then it's like, what's their next move? Like, how do they set up this core in the future to actually perform? Because this team on paper looks good. We've been saying this for forever. This team on paper looks great but they just haven't been able to get it done. So that's, that's what I would wonder if they move Besser, what's the next move for them and and who do they bring in to sort of replace them? Because that just leaves a giant hole in my opinion. Yeah. I think about, you know, between the, the choice of Miller or Besser, I think that they've got to hold on to Miller because they're kind of running out of guys to be that leadership group and Vancouver. And it's really just him and Bo Horvat right now. Uh, OEL is a leadership guy, but like, he, he's a third pairing. You got you to gotta lead by example. And that's JT Miller right now. And that's uh, Bo So it's like, I think they need those guys. I think that's an important part of a rebuild. And they really got to hold on to guys that can can show the young guys how it's done. Um, whereas Brock Besser has just been like, for some reason, that, that trade piece, that odd man out for X amount of years now. So... Um, yeah, like I, I still think it's it's Besser, but uh, that being said, I'm I'm sure he doesn't go anywhere. He signs an eight by eight next year, and I'm a jackass on next year's episode and talking about it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I think I think Patrick Alvine and and Jimmy Rutherford and you know everybody in that front office are 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 going about it the right way and saying, hang on, let's pump the brakes here. J T. Miller is a driver for us, like you mentioned, Case, and he has another year left on his contract after this one. You know, let's not move a guy who is doing a lot for our team right now. And so, um, you know, whether it's Besser or whether it's Connor Garland, I really think it's it's down to those two as to who gets moved to create that cap flexibility because 
that is the plan for the Canucks. It seems very clear that what they want to do right now is dump salary. And so while Besser is a great player and has fit in really well under Bruce Boudreaux's system, the question is, what does that next deal look like? But I do think that, you know, with uh, with an up and coming team, whether it's a New Jersey or an Anaheim, that move really makes sense because they have the cap space and could work with him to get him uh, uh, onto a uh, a very fair number on a long-term deal. So, um, but you know, that, uh, that, that is interesting for sure. And, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but um, yeah, for, for me, it's either it's, it's Besser and you have that issue with the qualifying offer. You see what that next deal looks uh, looks like, excuse me, or it's uh, it's Connor Garland, because in any other situation, you'd have to retain salary. And I really don't think it's a good idea for them to move JT Miller at this time. Yeah, Connor, Connor Garland, it definitely makes sense to trade him for like a for the cap flexibility uh, argument. But it's just not very intriguing yeah. to other teams, I don't think. Uh, you know, they might they might both happen, but I think Connor Garland's more of a trade that just flies under the radar because they want that cap flexibility and they don't get very much in return for him. Yeah, I see Besser getting a large package. I see Garland returning like a pick, you know, yeah. like a Third. single pick, you know. Yeah. So. Um, okay, that was a good one. Harp, am I good to go to, to bring up mine then? My Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Case. And uh yeah, Chad, let's get yours. Uh let's get yours now. And it's a defenseman that is high on the on the trade front. Yeah, that's right. It's uh Ilya Labushkin, uh who just got dealt to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh and it and it's also Ryan Dezingle, Leafs legend, uh who now is is with San Jose, but but no, I, I'm bringing up uh, Ben Sherratt, actually, and that's who I wanted to talk about. Not only Ben Sherratt, but I also wanted to tie in uh, uh, Josh Anderson and Brendan Gallagher. I know I'm kind of cheating, but like I kind of wanted to talk about all three of those guys because I saw a post the other day, and, and by the way, I've seen like a thousand posts that Ben Sherratt, the return for him is going to be a first and a third or a first and, a, and like a B prospect. So it's like... That's astronomical. So my first question to you guys was going to be like, who do you think in their right mind will pay that? And do you actually think it will happen? Or do you think, you know, by the time the deadline comes around, the price will drop a bit because teams will be scared off by, by the astronomical price tag. So before I talk about those other two guys, why, why don't we talk about that? The, the price for Sherrod. Normally, I would say that is absolute asinine and just a ridiculous price tag but last year i became a big ben Schrott fan and that was mostly due to his play in the playoffs and he's exactly that type of player that you want in the playoffs he's like hard to play against i'd say he's a top five hardest defenseman to play against and you know that's super arbitrary in the, the way that i use the word hard but um you know he he really made a name for himself in that cup run last year and i think that he was one of the biggest uh, pieces for that team to get there so you know maybe it happens maybe it makes sense to happen uh i feel bad for the team that does it but i i definitely think it's possible that he gets a first and then like a you know overseas 21 year old player that's putting up decent numbers in the shl yeah 
yeah, it's 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 a different conversation when you're picking up a guy with term. Like you have that contract certainty, whether or rather than just giving up a, a, a first and plus what or whatever for for a guy who's um expiring and uh so but we we see this all the time and and teams will, will do whatever it takes like i look at a team like st louis as as a potential fit for Sherratt. you know a team that is clearly a contender they're having a great season and they want to prove that 2019 was not a write-off there or that wasn't uh, it wasn't a one-off excuse me that uh, that they won it's been a couple of years now and so there's a team right there that i think it would be willing to pay that premium price for a defenseman like ben Sherratt. and um you know a, a deal that you look at the deadline and it's like wow they gave up a lot again Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau going to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, wow, they gave up first rounders for those guys, but guys that end up making a significant impact in the postseason on a run, like you said, case with a guy like Sherrod. So, um, there, there will be teams out there willing to pay that price. And St. Louis, as an example, I could see them being willing to do it. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I could definitely see it because we know the asking prices have just been astronomical. But, man, I, I'm with you, Case. I feel bad for the team who makes that deal. And if it's the Leafs, I'll feel the exact same. And you can quote me on that. Like, I think this guy at best right now is a third pairing defenseman or a second pairing on a bad team. I, I don't think you can trust a guy to, I mean, sure, he can log minutes, but he can't move the puck. He can't exit his zone. I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm disagreeing with that because of my philosophy on D pairings. And I think that he's like, well, how much better is he than Jan Ruda? And Jan Ruda can play with Victor Hedman all day long, and it's a sick D pair. So you yeah. put Ben Sherratt with someone who dishes a puck around. You put Ben Sherratt with Tori Krug. Like, I don't think that's a problem on your first pairing at all. Fair but enough. Fair I see enough. what you're saying. Like, I agree, yeah. but disagree. Okay. So <laughs> I, think he's a, I think he's on most teams, he's a second pairing guy. On some teams with a, a stud puck mover, he's a first pairing guy. So I'll rephrase then. He's not a driver in a top four no. role. So I'll, I'll say that. No. I think we can agree. God, no. But yeah. it's just, it, for me, like, if you're giving up a first, for me, it has to be a driver. And there's been some bad deals in the past. And, and the one that the Leafs did at the deadline last year for Felino, looking back, that doesn't look great at all. You give up a first for a rental harp, like you said. So I understand where the price tag comes from. I just wonder if, if it actually happens because, like... You know, like I said, this guy isn't a driver, so we'll see. The next thing I wanted to talk about, though, and it was those two guys that I mentioned earlier, Brennan Gallagher and Josh Anderson, came out the other day that neither of those guys are expected to move at the deadline. They're essentially untouchables. They're they're going to be part of a leadership group with this rebuilding Montreal Canadiens team. And I talked to Alan at Mansky in the comments or, or in the uh, in our DMs with Boys in the Booth, and we kind of went back and forth about it because. My question to that, hearing that news, was why? Why keep those two guys around when I think you could get a decent amount for, for Gallagher specifically? Josh Anderson, I think the contract, that's tough to trade. You'd have to eat salary. It's for a long time. You wouldn't want to do that. It doesn't make sense. But Gallagher, 
I think you could get a, a decent amount for him in return to to a team trying to, to make a push at the deadline. What do you guys think about those two guys not being moved? I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Sorry, Case, you, you want to go it. first? No, we were just both staring at each other trying to figure out who's going to go first, <laughs> and then we both went first. <laughs> that's uh, that that's on me. But uh, I'll I'll touch on Gallagher for a second specifically. You know, I I mean he's he's on a, a long term deal. I think it's six point five million that he's making. But to me, it's kind of the same conversation that we were having about J T. Miller. Not not as that you know that Gallagher is a driver, but he is one of those heart and soul guys who gives you an honest effort every night and Montreal is definitely transitioning and heading into a new era with uh, with Jeff Gordon and and Kent Hughes at the helm and so I just I, I think that you need guys like him uh, to be in that locker room around the young guys because they're going to get younger obviously and 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 get some assets so for me, Gallagher is is the guy that yes, you you hang on to, um, you know that that contract is going to be tough to move without retaining salary. But uh, but again, it's just it's one of those kind of heart and soul guys that gives you an honest effort every night that I think is important to hang on to um, as you go through this transition. Yeah, so I agree with Harp on the Gallagher. I, I you know that's your captain right there. Weber's gone. He's your new captain. Um, he has such great relationships with some of these young guys on the team, you know, Cole Caulfield and, um, you know, whoever else it may be. But I think they've kind of started shipping out all the the veterans on their team and they got to hold on to some. And that's the guy to hold on to. He's diehard Montreal. He's been there forever. And, yeah, he's going to be their captain. And I don't know if he's good. He's such a hard guy for some other team if he gets traded, you know. Um, and then. I think that the Josh Anderson being untouchable is just a PR move for me personally. I think he's untouchable because no one wants to touch him with that contract. And like, sure, he he had a good playoff uh, performance. I think, you know, I I could make the same argument I did about Sherratt with Josh Anderson. But I think when you look at the contract and kind of the production that he's had, he's still a good player. But I don't think anyone's jumping to trade assets to pull him in for the playoffs. And I think it's such a easy move for Montreal to say yeah he's untouchable because it tells players like yeah if you sign a contract we're not Vegas if you sign a contract with us you come through free agency you're our guy we're gonna hold on to you and we're gonna do what we can with you um even though it's mostly he's not he's not getting traded anywhere so yeah let's call him untouchable why not yeah that's that's an interesting way to look at things i hadn't really thought about it like that but it makes a lot of sense right i mean especially coming from a team who you know in the past hasn't been great at pr maybe this new management group is kind of thinking okay listen we gotta make our fans happy we gotta make our players happy etc etc so that makes sense when you look at it that way let me ask you guys this question before we move on to harper's here um going back to gallagher if you knew that you could get a mid-round first round pick for Gallagher would would that change your mind at the deadline well first of all I think you can yeah Um, no I know that's what I'm saying I think you can I I agree I agree so I I think you can but I don't think it's enough for me to make a move although that mid round mid first round pick this year is going to be good like 15th Um, overall or something mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And 
the other thing I will say to that is I think it's important for uh, the Montreal Canadiens not to overreact to the way that this season has gone. I mean, this season has been historically bad for them. And next year, who knows? Like, they're, I think they'll be a lot better than this. How much better? Who knows? But I, I think it's important not to real, uh, overreact as well and still keep some of those key veteran guys moving forward. They've won two games in a row for the first time this season. They play the Leafs tonight, so you know it's going to be three in a row. <laughs> Just that's how it oh. works. Uh, oh, geez. Marty St. Louis. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. They got their yeah. coaching change bump. That's what uh, John said about uh, Jay Woodcroft. So same same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. All right. Moving on uh, from from that. Great, uh, great players by, by both you guys. And uh, I'll move on to an obvious one. Uh, we've mentioned him a couple of times on this podcast, and he is a guy who uh, is still a young player. And at the beginning of the season with the Arizona Coyotes, you would think after the kind of year that Jacob Chikrin had, complete teardown rebuild that Arizona is going through. But Chikrin has had a really tough season. His plus minus is absolutely terrible and the production just isn't there. And he is playing on a bad hockey team. He's being asked to do a lot, but his name is out there and had a great season last year. I think he finished eighth in Norris Trophy voting, had 18 goals. So, um, it rightfully so, Bill Armstrong and, and the Coyotes are going to ask for a big return for Jacob Chikrin. He's got three more years left on his deal at $4.6 million. So, again, as we talked about earlier, uh, d- compared to other guys at the deadline who will be moved, he is a little bit different in that he does have cap certainty. And, and $4.6 million over the next three years is, is, very, um, is, is very attractive for a player like him that just needs to get out of a tough situation. So we know what the asking price is. It's a Jack Eichel-like return. And so you look at teams that will be able to do it. The LA Kings are certainly there, a team that could do it. Uh, The Boston Bruins are a team that's been interested. And you look at the Florida Panthers. And for me, that is the team to watch for. Chikrin is a Florida native. and. If you're Florida, you've had such an unbelievable season. Like, this is the year to go for it. You have not won a playoff round since since 1997. And I think you could still find a way to meet Arizona's needs without giving up an Anton Lundell or a Spencer Knight in this deal. So, again, I know it's not a mock trades episode, but, um, you know, Chikrin is a guy that I that I wanted to talk to. And so what are your thoughts on on Chikrin? I think that Florida, with the season they had, they've had so far and with him being from there and the year for them to to go for it, not winning a round since 97 would be a great fit for for Jacob Chikrin. So what do you think? Uh, Do you think that there will be not really many teams interested, like just, you know, with how high the asking price is and all of that. What do you guys think? Well, 
of course you're gonna make some sort of connection with the player you talk about he's in he's a florida native i wouldn't have been able to tell you that um i do think that that holds a little more weight if he was a ufa because the chance of him resigning is is greater but um you know take it as it is my problem i i like the florida that makes a lot of sense i think you know that's a good landing spot for him a team that you'd fit well with a team that needs someone like that i like it i like it i like it i'm gonna give an answer you're not gonna like and that's the fact that i don't think jacob chicken goes anywhere and that's mostly because of the asking price and i think that they're the arizona coyotes are like you said playing the buffalo sabers here and uh, it's just too much and it's not going to happen for a little while and my main reason of saying that is i read that the ottawa senders picked up the phone and called on him and they said the asking price was astronomical and gave up the fact that that is a team that has just such an inventory of assets and maybe the most in the entire league and they don't they don't want to do it it's crazy to me and and you look at chicker and the season he's having he's a dash 28 right now and you know take that as it is because he's on a bad team normally we throw that that stat into the garbage but look at thomas shabbat who's also on not a good team but he's a he's a plus playing 28 minutes a night for one of the bottom teams in the league like plus minus does say something when it's that astronomically low and that high so i will say chikorin you know he's having a tough go of things right now he's in a tough spot well get used to it because that asking price is not going to be met and i think that there's other guys that florida could go out and pick up um to to kind of fill that void there's like uh justin braun is getting thrown around there maybe even uh charlotte or someone someone else Mm -hmm. another defenseman i like the landing spot that you bring up harp florida's a good fit for him i just think that they're asking way too much for chicken and it's just not gonna happen i i completely agree that they're asking way too much for chicken and i wanted to go back harp to florida and think like so you mentioned that you think that they can get it done without including Lundell or Knight. Well, then who does it start with? Is it Owen Tippett? Because he's, yes. he's an asset that I don't think many people value as much anymore as maybe Florida does because he's been around for so long. You know, Tippett's a, he's a good player. He's going to be a good player in, in the league. But it's like if the asking price was astronomical for Ottawa, who do you think they were including? You know? probably someone better than Tippett. that that's just what i think and and like especially yeah. if you're florida you're what first place in the nhl third maybe like so that pick is gonna be super low in in the first round so like i don't know i just don't think it gets it done like it's just, i don't know the one thing that i really like about florida as being chickering's landing spot if it does happen is that i think they're a team that's going to be good for a long time. Yeah. And, and that makes sense for Chickering rather than a Boston that's kind of on their, maybe their last leg. Uh, we've been saying that about Pittsburgh for 15 years now, but you know, Boston may be on their last leg. They've got a couple more cup runs in them. And then it's who knows from there. I think Florida is going to be in this situation for five years here. They're the next Tampa. They're, they're just such a good team and they've got a lot of good players locked up for, decent contracts decent amount of time even you know the goaltending situation there is is looking good all of a sudden even though we used to to hit our rag on uh, officer bob but yeah. he's there he's there for a long time and he's playing well so this team's going to be good for a long time and that makes me think that chicken's a good spot 
Um, you know, they don't really need to worry about being too young in the next five years. So guys like Hepo Niemi are, are an option and a couple other of the younger guys not on the team right now. It doesn't necessarily need to be a, a player right now. So, yeah. you know, that that for me is a, a good point to say why it could be Florida if it does happen. Mm hmm. Guys, yeah, I, no, I haven't really sure. completely thought about this, but I just wanted to throw it out there. What about the Rangers? Do you think that could work? You know, it, it'd have to be, it'd have to start with Kako or Lafreniere, and I don't think I'd do either of those, but I mean... Vitaly Kravtsov? No, I, no. I, I don't think Kravtsov gets much return at this point, but... Yeah, um... I don't know. That makes sense. Again, it's another team that could to, could really do it, and what a sick deep pairing that would be on uh, Chicker and Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it would have to be like Lafreniere from them. Uh, I think it's the only option, and Lafreniere right down the middle would be pretty gross. Or is he a winger? I can't even remember. He's a, yeah, he's a winger. He's a winger. Yeah, yeah. so those two yeah. on the same line then. You know, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would absolutely be nauseous for a week straight if he went to the Rangers, but I, I wouldn't even do that too. like Chikrin's good, but the ceiling on Lafreniere and even Kako too. Like I know at this point he hasn't produced over like since coming into the NHL, but such a talented guy, like he'll eventually figure it out. So yeah, I, don't know. I just, I just like, I, I understand why Arizona is, is uh, why they have a high asking price. Like it's a 23 year old left shot defenseman who's having kind of a write off season and he's got contract certainty. Like I get it, but case you brought up a good point. And if the Ottawa senators are saying that the price is astronomical with all of the young assets that they have, like you would have to think that Eric Brandstrom would be included in a potential deal. If it's with the senators, you know, I mentioned the LA Kings. What do you think they're saying with, with all of the assets that they have? Like, you'd have to think that it's getting close to time to move on from a guy like Gabriel Velarde. What else is it going to take? And so there is that point to it as well. But again, I just going back to Florida, I think if, if you're a team that is good and hasn't been able to win in the postseason for a long time, and a team that you look at that should take a big swing with how good they are, it's the Panthers. Can they meet the asking price of Arizona's uh, liking? That, I don't know. But I do think if there is a deal that gets done with Florida, let's say, that Owen Tippett is included. But again, I mean, great points. It's, you know, again, you, you see why Arizona's asking for so much, and you see why there are teams that aren't so sure. Uh, about doing it so you're saying it's going to be vegas who pulls the trigger <laughs> <laughs> vegas yeah, trades their their next three first round picks after one the one they just trade and uh yeah they flip jack eichel and get chickered in return <clears throat> <laughs> eichel got his first uh the other night that's right. uh, as a uh, as a gold knight, I don't know if you guys saw that in in San Jose, but yeah, seriously, watch it be Vegas. Like it's like <laughs> Vegas has this this 
um, addiction of like, oh, my God, like whoever is at the top of the TSN trade bait board, we we have to get them. Whoever's the biggest name available out there, we have to get them. So who else on a on a long term deal we just signed? Can we give up to get this guy? But no. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, it's not going to be Vegas, but we'll see. I mean, again, like with with Arizona, you'd be patient and uh, he, he is only 23 years old. So. Um, but I, I just, I really wanted to bring Chikrin up because he is, he is an interesting name. Like he's, we talked about Eichel for so long and like waiting for him to get moved or whatever. I like, I feel like Chikrin is kind of the next guy. Like what is going to happen with this guy? If I were Chikrin, I'd be, I'd be shopping a uh, neck injury here real soon so that it gets done. (laughs) Yeah, really. All right, boys. Is that good for uh, trade deadline talk or what? Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right. Thanks, fellas. One month away from the deadline. Looking forward to it. Case, I know you're not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I do enjoy this time of year. Deadline day is still fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, again, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or, or anything that uh, we didn't bring up that you think we, we should have, you can hit us up on our Instagram as well. Send us a DM or a comment on a post or whatever uh, at Boys in the Booth, and we'll chat with you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.